Charm Diamond Centers. Okay, not bad, but remember, those three little words carry a lot of weight. Has to save 50 years of a family-owned business. Charm Diamond Centers. Dylan, think lifetime diamond guarantee, unbeatable pricing policy, stores across the country filled with experts who love love. Charm Diamond Centers. 0% interest financing, trade-up policy, easy payments. I need to feel that in your voice. It has to sound like Charm Diamond Centers. Wow, that was really good. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much, Lisa. Welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 147. A little, bigger, a little bit of a gap here, boys. Last week, we recorded on Wednesday, almost an emergency podcast after the Nugent Hopkins extension. We took the weekend. We are back on a Friday at our regularly scheduled program. We're going to break down the week that was, what's going ahead, and very shortly, we are going to welcome Daily Face-Off's Frank Saravalli to the show to help us make sense of it all. But first... I shout out our friends at Sherwood, at Sherwood Ford out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. Check them out on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giants. I'm looking at my window right now. I still don't see a Bronco out there. There's a space for one. It says my name on it, but no Bronco. Tyler, if you look out your window right now, do you see a Bronco? No, I see my car and two others. Mm-hmm. Rick? Not, none are Broncos. I'm at work, but I didn't see one the last time I was out back. Dan, what about you? There actually is a Bronco outside, but I don't think it's from Sherwood Ford, so I don't think it's the proper one. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing here is we got four gentlemen in need of four Broncos. One day. Dare to dream, boys. Dare to dream. Head on out to Sherwood Ford out in Sherwood Park, Alberta. If you need service, new vehicle, whatever you need, they are there for you, and they'd be happy to help. Tyler, what mm-hmm. is this week's Sherwood Ford giant question of the week? This week's Sherwood Ford Giant question of the week is based around the fact that it is buyout season. The Oilers have two uh, candidates for buyout. It would be Miko Koskinen and James Neal. So this one is a little multiple choice action for you. What do you want to see the Oilers do with the buyout window? Option A, buyout James Neal. Option B, buyout Miko Koskinen. C, both of them. D, none of them. I'll jump in first because I wrote about it the other day at Oilers Nation. I offered my five bold or not predictions for the offseason, and I said James Neal will be bought out. I am with Tyler in the logic that, yes, $1.916 million on the cap, according to our friends at Puckpedia, is not ideal. However, 
if James Neal is a healthy scratch, then having five and a half or whatever he makes right now in dead cap space essentially is even worse. So I'm going to say James Neal will be saying, seeing his name in the buyout window. How long does the buyout window last? Does it, it go it, into goes into expansion draft time? You have to put them on waivers for purpose of a buyout by July 27th at 10 a.m. So, so after, to answer, after, so after you can after wait till after expansion. expansion. Yes. Yep. Yes. So the expansion window, I wrote about it this morning, OilersNation.com. We've got a busy July coming up. So I gave mm-hmm. some dates for everybody. Buyout period begins on July 9th. The expansion protection list has to be in on July 17th. The expansion draft itself is July 21st. So there's some time in there. I think there it's smart to, no matter what, you wait till after the expansion draft to move either Koskinen or Neil. Because again, like a buyout should be the last resort, right? Like if yep. there's a chance to move Neil at 50% retained, you do it. If there's a chance to move Koskinen at 50% retained, you know, you probably do that as well. If there's an option to put one of them in a bigger deal, maybe you're swinging for a bigger fish and the team's willing to take some cap. Y- you wait it out. Um, but I, I do think the Oilers will use the buyout on one of these two. Pick your poison. Miko. Miko's the ideal Miko. one because... If we're looking at it comparing dollars to dollars, like I said, James Neal's 1.9, 1.9 over mm-hmm. four years, whereas Miko Koskinen would be 1.5 over two. So obviously you take the shorter one if possible, but I He's know. also the player you want to replace the most out of that's the two guys. Point. Yep, that's the right. Like Yes, yes, the money works in this favor, and that's obviously the leading factor. But at the end of the day, you also want to get rid of Miko more than you want to get rid of James Neal. Yeah, I agree. There's that's where my issue lies is that James Neal on this roster next year doesn't sink us. Miko Koskinen as a backup goalie, even I doesn't don't, doesn't set us up for success. So and I'm surprised to hear you say that a little bit, Dan, because you were kind of like if oh, yeah. ever there was somebody defending Miko this year, it was probably Dan. Yep, and I and I decided to go down with that ship. I was going to stick with myself uh, or stick to my guns on that one. But I mean, that last little stretch of the season just told me that like the book is written, the rule. You know, everybody knows how to play Miko Koskinen now, and it's not that hard. So you know, it, unfortunately, the guy is just not NHL caliber anymore. And and let me lay out some numbers here. Right now, uh, since Nugent Hopkins has been signed, the Oilers have sixteen point two million dollars in open cap space. If they were to buy out Miko Koskinen, it would free up another three million in cap space. Uh, so they would be nineteen point two million. At that point, you need a goalie, you need probably two wingers, you need a centerman, and you need a left shot defenseman. So can you get those five assets if you were to just buy out Miko Koskinen? Can you get those five assets for nineteen million dollars? I would like to think that Ken Holland could get that done in a flat cap era and bring in some pretty impactful pieces. And then when you get to next offseason, if you need money for Darnell Nurse, if you need money for Yesapul Yarvi, whatever the case may be, you can buy out Neil then, and then you're kind of saving yourself a year of dead cap space at the end of that buyout. So at first, I was firmly, you buy out Neil and you trade Koskinen, and I still would go that route if you can make a trade for Miko Koskinen, but you should be able to improve this team enough with $19 million, and having James Neal as your extra forward maybe isn't the worst thing in the world. Does that money that you're just talking about right now, does that have with kind of like some playing around with guys like Taylor Yamamoto who needs a new deal as well? Well, I mean, so 19 mil, right? It's not going to be big though. 
Yamamoto is going to be two mil. Let's say that brings you down to 17. Larson's going to be, let's call it four if it gets done. That's going to bring you down. You'll be at $13.2 million there if you were to buy out uh, Miko Koskinen in that. So, you know, a centerman and two wingers probably cost 12, you... 12 and a half after you get a JJ back in there too, because I do assume they're going to bring him back. Yeah. It, it, it would still be pretty tight, I guess. But if you get two $4 million wingers, a $2 million center... Yeah, fuck. I guess it only leaves like two mil to bring back Smith and get another goalie. Maybe they do have to get rid of both of them still. It's going to be interesting because this is a, uh, it's like at first glance, at first, blo- like when you look at it, you're like, yeah. God, the Oilers have a bunch of cap space. Let's, let's go. But really, once you start working through it, they don't, you know, because they've got some pieces that need to be resigned. Nuge took well, you a look at friendly some- deal. But he did he take a team friendly deal or did he take just kind of what the market and and whatever is offering right now? And does and that I'll, mean like other guys are gonna other guys are gonna be cheaper than we expected too? I would say both. And yeah, you're and right, I, the other guys are gonna be cheaper for sure. And and I kind of said a two four million dollar wingers there. I mean, you might just be kind of getting one five million dollar guy and one guy who's more closer to two mil, right? Like there there are there is fluctuation in those numbers, and I do think the market's gonna be a lot quieter than a lot of these pending free agents think. That's something to ask Frank though. If you yeah, say so, two wingers, well, two wingers could easily be one UFA yeah. and Dylan Holloway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I would prefer to have more depth on the wings where Holloway's pushed so far down. He starts in the American League. Um, but isn't that something you look at midseason then? Yeah, maybe. Again, I, I, do, I don't think a team that should be really pushing to turn themselves into a cup contender this year should have a rookie with like however three games of no he hasn't even played a professional game yet they did, I don't think you can bank on was, that though Rick. everybody was no fair enough you can't bank on it but I mean everybody a lot of people were saying last year um that he was ready to roll right the only like with like if he didn't break with, his thumb he would have been playing last season at the end of the season with Ken Holland at the helm it just seems like Dylan Holloway is definitely going to have to force himself onto the lineup if he's going to play. And he's going to have to have a damn good training camp and preseason to do that. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. But I also wouldn't be opposed to him at least doing the first half of this first pro you, season in Bakersfield. Do you throw a one-year contract at Chieson for a million bucks? I don't think you need him anymore. Like if, if you I think come you can back, upgrade. If he would come back for a million bucks and the understanding he's your like 13th or 14th forward with Devin Shore – then, then maybe you do just because that's, you know, you can replace that cost or you can bury them if, it, if you don't want them anymore, like all that. So like maybe, but yeah, I think, I think you upgrade. And at the end of the day, next season, if there is an injury in the top six, like if there's an injury in the bottom six, Devin Shore comes in because he can kill penalties. If there's an injury in the top six, I'd be more tempted to bring up Holloway than play Chase on there. Oh, sure. without, without question. Yeah. Like if you're going to have Holloway in your lineup, I think you have to put him in a spot where he can succeed and not trying to be like a grinder type guy. Yeah. You know? No, no. I think that third line is probably perfect for him with, uh, with McLeod and whoever that third uh, right winger would be. It's going to be interesting though. Cause we're still looking at, if we're looking at the lineup, you know, Nuge is done. Okay. So let's just assume for the purposes of the exercise that he's going to be with, with Leon on the second line and maybe Yamo on the other side. Connor still needs his winger. Who is that guy? You know, that's a big one. And I don't think that, I think that's going to be one of the biggest decisions for Hall in this off season is how do you plug that hole? How do you have a guy who can chip in 20, 25, 30 goals, ideally in that spot? Because if you're a scoring winger too, man, is there a better place to be than right beside Connor McDavid? 
to me, that's the most interesting question going forward into the off season. And one guy whose name just came up. Well, I mean, I guess about 10 days ago on daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli wrote about Tarasenko out of St. Louis being available. Now he's an interesting name because everybody knows what Tarasenko can do. He scores with the best of them. However, He's only played 34 games over the last two years. So I'm interested to ask Frank, what is, what's the market look like for a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko? You know, if, what, about, what about you guys? I'm with I mean, Dan by low. If maybe St. Louis has to retain some of that 7.5, I don't know if they would or not. I have no idea, but like, if you have to LTIR the guy, then what's yeah. what the difference be? Yeah, it's, That's interesting too, because like, there's so much risk with Tarasenko, but the fact he's played 34 games in the last two seasons, the fact he wants out of St. Louis, he's going to come cheaper than a 40 goal scorer ever would. Like we're talking pennies on the dollar here. And if it doesn't work, like the only reason it should hypothetically not work is if he gets hurt. And that means you LTIR him, like you said, and and maybe there's not that much risk there, but you know, it might not be a first round pick that you have to give up. Cause I think the, what does St. Louis want though? Do they want to keep winning? Therefore they want a player. Are they going to like rebuild a bit? Then you're going to, then you're talking assets and stuff. So it, I, it really comes down to what St. Louis wants to do. So like, would you do Jones and Yamamoto for Tarasenko if they wanted like active players? Hmm. If they're retaining, uh, I would need, I would need to see his, uh, he would have to be like a hundred percent by my own doctor. Yeah. They, uh, or, they're giving out the medical you, records via David. Or Pagnota. you, or you pop in James Neal into that deal. I see, and I don't think they'd do that because if, if all you're giving them is Yamamoto and Jones for a 40 goal guy, they're probably getting not, a better offer elsewhere. That's not all what they're getting, though. Like, well, I, it depends because they're. They, but that depends on their question mark of, you know, are they trying to dump salary or are they trying to compete? Yeah. And how much does Tarasenko, like, if he's asked for, if he's asked out, how, how is it I'm never playing in St. Louis again? Yes. Type of out? Or is it, I want out and he's still going to play along and be the team guy until they make a move. You know, those are, that's a very, that's a big question to have. I think it's, I want out. I'm not playing for you guys again. Well, I can't wait to ask Frank about it because, you know, know, he broke the story at dailyfaceoff.com about 10 days ago. Looking forward to hearing his, his update on it. What's the market like? Who are the possible destinations that could land in Tarasenko? Uh, Where's St. Louis at to answer Dan's question. Are they just, he has a no trade. He has a no trade as well. Would he wave which to come is, play with ConCon? Which is hilarious. If you, I believe, if you ask for a trade, you need to waive your no trade clause. I agree with. I Agreed. agree with that yeah, pisses me, me off. It, it sucks when you have a no trade, and it's like it's almost like we're going to ask Frank about Duncan Keith too. He's got a he's got a no trade, and he can pick where he goes. But like he wants out of Chicago, and he's only going to give two spots. Like, yeah. It's like Marty St. Louis wanting out of Tampa and saying, you can only trade me to the Rangers. Yeah. But they got it, right? But like the GMs do it to themselves, right? But but there's the thing, right? If I'm a GM, I'm going to try and revolutionize the contract with a trade clause that says, if you invoke a request out of town, you waive your no trade. But I don't know if they can do that. It's like Nugent Hopkins got the no move because he doesn't want to be shipped out of here now that he signed an eight-year deal. And look at Tampa Bay right now, right? They went and they got all those guys signed and everyone goes, oh, they get them for so cheap because they, they get the no state income tax. Okay, but everyone has a no movement clause. Pal- uh, Kucherov and Stamkos, Palat, Gord, Johnson, Killorn, Pat Maroon, Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, and Bashalevsky. The Did team that just won Patty the... Maroon? 
Yeah, Patty Maroon has a fucking no move. Because when they're yeah. signing in Tampa and getting the deal, they're going, well, I'm not going to sign for cheap if you're just going to fucking trade me to somewhere with state income sure. tax in, in two years. So now sure. Tampa like has screwed themselves in that regard too. So I think the no movement clause is like, the GMs kind of give them out like candy and, and some of them are starting to get smart and they're not doing it as much, but they give them out like candy. I can't, I'm, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that understands the player side. That's like, Hey man, I took less money. Cause I got a no movement clause. I'm going to yeah. use it to the fullest extent that I can. But then you <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be able to turn around and say, I want to trade out of town with it though. Why not? Because that's the, like the deal that you, that at the very core of it, the deal you signed is I agree for this much money to play for your city and you can't send me out of town. It's not, I also agree that if I don't like how things are going, I'm going to tell you, you have to move me, but I'm going to give you the list of people. That's where I, like, See, I, you're and right. Team I know the GM that option, signed that deal. Give them a 10-team ten, ten no-movement clause, right? That's that's the middle ground there. And that's what, I mean, yeah. Tarasenko, it's not like Tarasenko is saying, trade me to the Rangers and I'm not playing next year. Those are your only choices. He's playing the part. He's giving them 10 teams, which he isn't even obliged to do. He could give them one team. Yeah. The fair. St. Louis I one, just, like, I get it. I get that it's like, annoying from the perspective of fans and, and people who love trades and all that stuff. But like, I don't know if I was a star player and I was signing a contract with the team, I'd be like, yeah, you're giving me a full no move. Cause if things go bad here and I want to go somewhere else, I'm not just going to let you trade me to Buffalo. The team can also go, Hey, listen, this is what we're doing. Sign here. You sign all of a sudden you're screwed. Team's like, well, we don't want to spend that. Anymore. We're gonna go yeah. away. And now you're stuck on a shitty ass team. So from the player's perspective, hundred percent. The no trades, no moves. I'm okay with them. Another side of it too is St. Louis can flip this back on Tarasenko, right? Like let's say hypothetically Edmonton's not on his list and the GM there, Armstrong can go to Tarasenko and say, Hey, by the way, Edmonton's given us the best offer. You have two choices, Vlad stay here and report or don't in your suspended forfeiting salary, or you can go to Edmonton, right? Like they could flip it right back on him if they really wanted to. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing to ask Frank about is like how, how salty is this situation? You know? Yeah. Do, do, and do it the Blues have made, the do the Blues have the gumption the to yet. be able to make him sit out? You know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. The Blues to ask, don't want to do that either. They'd rather. I'm sure they'd rather have first somebody playing, whether it be Tarasenko or whatever the, the return for the trade is. So I don't see St. Louis not going to want to sit there and force him force him to sit. And there's also the situation, like, if you have a guy on your team, your roster, whatever, who just does not want to be there, why do you need, why would you want him in the room bringing everybody's vibes down, you know? Well, ship him to Russia. Go play over in Russia for a year. Speaking of signings, though, Dan, we've got a new friend here on this here podcast. We do. We do. Bixler's. Bixler's Jewelry. If you're in the market for a gift, I know there's not any real holidays coming up right right around the corner, but until the... Until the end of July, thanks to our friends at Bixler's Jewelry, if you aren't familiar with Bixler's Jewelry, they are America's first jeweler. Established in, ni- in 1785. I almost said 1985 because that would have made more sense to me. 1785 was the first time that they established their stores. And as I mentioned, they are the official jeweler of the NHL. So if you go check out their products at Bixler's.com, that's B-I-X. L E R S dot com. Uh, you can you can see all the many different uh, NHL official logo jewelry that they have to offer for you. And as I mentioned, for this month and this month alone, if you use the the promo code Bixlers Nation ten, you get ten percent off your entire order at Bixlers dot com. So uh, have a check. Give them a check out. Give them a check out. 
check out some of their jewelry <laughs> and uh, visit them at Bixler's underscore jewelry on Instagram. Let them know that the nation told you to say hi and they'll, uh, they'll be able to help you out with everything you need. So that's promo code Bixler's nation 10, all one word. And that gets you 10% off your entire order at Bixler's jewelry. Welcome Bixler's happy to have you. Get some beautiful stuff. People. Just, yeah, just some wild stuff. They, they create, they create jewelry that, is just for the champs. They've got original six stuff. And of course they have our home team as well. Yeah. Cause that is interesting. They're licensed with their stuff. So it's official. Uh, Tyler, you brought up Pat Maroon a little bit. And one thing mm-hmm. while we're, uh, we're waiting for Frank to join. He's good to go here. actually real quick. Then are you guys happy for Pat Maroon doing the three peaks? I saw some yeah, Oilers fans that are not. I don't understand yeah, right. being unhappy. I don't for Me it. Either. Like, like, it's like, a pretty impressive feat, let, yeah. let alone the fact that it's just, you know, an oiler winning a cup. It's a pretty unbelievable went, feat. But he went to a team that really doesn't, shouldn't upset anybody in Edmonton. In fact, we owe this team a debt of gratitude for what they did in 04. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I, honestly, I, got, I had no issues with these guys winning. So, yeah, let them win another one. Patty Maroon, Patty Treepy. Let's go, baby. He's a good guy here in Edmonton. Great. Great family guy, person. just everything, nothing to like, nothing to hate about him. Yep. I think we're across the board. Happy for Pat Maroon. I was really surprised to see that. Uh, Tyler, if our, if our man is ready, bring him in. Yeah. Let's get to uh, Frank Saravalli, dailyfaceoff.com. Even says it in his Zoom name. It says Frank Saravalli, dailyfaceoff.com. That's because he's a good company man. Our uh, coworker. I, yes. Our coworker, Frank Saravalli now. Isn't, isn't that a fun thing to say? Frank, how's it going? What's going on? What's going Just, on, Frank? We've got... How are you guys doing? Excellent, my friend. Hockey Insider, president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com. Frank, I want to start with the Stanley Cup Finals. Just wrapped up. Obviously, Tampa won. But the story for a lot of people yesterday was Nikita Kucherov's post-game interview. How he just kind of shot from the hip and said what he wanted to say. As a fan of the game, I love the idea of adding a little bit of wrestling into the league. A lot of times we get boring answers from NHL players, and this was not that. I just want to get your take. What was your thoughts on on Kucherov kind of, you know, bodying everybody? I, I loved it. I thought it was, I think you're right. It was everything that the game needs. Um, it was just, it was entertainment. You know, a shirtless Nikita Kucherov, (laughs) that's not champagne. That's a Bud Light. Uh, You see today, a couple days later, he ends up signing with Bud Light. He's a official member of their team now. And (laughs) I don't know. I just, you know, some parts of it, I I thought it was awesome to hear and just see the raw honesty and emotion. You know, I I did think that the poke at, at Habs fans was unnecessary. Like their team just lost in the final and you didn't really need to to turn the knife, but there was nothing said in there that was like egregious, nothing uh, over the line. And so it's all in good fun. And I think we need more of that. And I can't wait till the first time Tampa goes back to Montreal, right? Like he's just, it just creates a rivalry. He's going to hear it for the rest of the time he plays. And look, that's the way it should be. That's how great rivalries are born, right? Absolutely. Uh, so brand new episode of the DFO Rundown came out this morning. And one of your quotes about Duncan Keith is making the rounds here in Edmonton. This is a split. This is a polarizing issue for Oilers fans, Frank. It's everybody loves Duncan Keith, but maybe the guy from 10, 12 years ago. What's the latest on Edmonton and the Chicago Blackhawks? 
Well, I think it's clear at this point that, you know, the talks or whatever was going on between the Oilers and the Blackhawks with regards to Duncan Keith, they've cooled off a bit. And I I do think that there's a big game of chicken that's going on right now. Look, the Blackhawks are in a spot where they've got this legendary member of their team who's won three Stanley Cups, has been the backbone of their team, one of the pillars for so long. Uh, a Conn Smythe Trophy winner, a Norris Trophy winner that wants to move on. He's played almost 1,200 games there, done everything that you can do and would now, uh, you know, by all accounts, like to be a little bit closer to to some family. Uh, so he's given the Hawks four teams that he'd like to try and facilitate a trade to. Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. And obviously the Oilers have expressed interest, but my understanding is at least from you know a couple of days ago, that the Oilers, whatever interest they expressed, it's it the package has been walked back a little bit, and a lot of people believe that that included Caleb Jones, who the Oilers I think understand and believe at this point that he likely will be exposed in the expansion draft anyway and may be taken. That it might make more sense to try and move him to Chicago and try and get Duncan Keith back. But the other complicating factor, guys, is that. The Blackhawks, to my knowledge and reporting, are not willing to retain any salary on his deal. So, you know, that's another part of it for the Oilers is that they may like Duncan Keith. They may think that he's sort of the perfect guy to play on their second pair, but they probably don't necessarily want to pay $5.54 million in cap space in order to get him. And I think that's kind of the rub for a lot of Oilers fans here. It's like I said, if this was a maybe, you know, like a leaf situation where Joe Thornton signs for a low deal, then maybe everybody's on board, but at five and a half, that's, that's a big ticket for a guy who's turning 38. Yeah. Well, and with that, Frank, does that mean that the Blackhawks also wouldn't want to take back any big salary in, in return kind of thing? Most likely. Now the Hawks in, in the last couple of recent years have actually been willing to get a little bit creative. And, you know, I think you look to, um, you know, the trade that they made with Florida last year, taking yeah. on Brett Connolly and the two years left on his deal. Um, you know, they've been willing to do that in the past, but I think Chicago is at the point now where they'd like to try and take a step forward with their cap situation. And so they'd like to go out and get a couple pieces that are going to be a little bit more expensive, like a Seth Jones. I do think that they'd be interested in a guy like a Jack Eichel. And so when you're trying to add salary like that, I, I don't know at this point that the Hawks would be willing to take on a contract in return. How the situation with Keith though, like if the Hawks decide, no, we're not retaining any money. Like, is there a chance he goes back there next season or is it so is the relationship broken enough where like, if they don't get a move, are they just going to buy him out? Is he going to retire, sit out the year? Like what would happen there if the Hawks just say, yeah, we're not. It's, it's a good question. I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I don't think it's fractured at all beyond repair. Like, I think it's been really respectful, but I do think that, you know, Keith is working with his agent to try and, and, and you know, move on. So it is an active priority, um, you know, for the Keith camp. I mean, he, he did switch agents here. Um, and, and I think, you know, moving forward that that's his goal. But if, if the, ultimate holdup is retaining salary you know i could i could see him potentially coming back given that the real cash value is so much lower than than the cap hit but i think that's not in anyone's 
that's not anyone's priority at this point. Another guy who's making the rounds, Frank, he broke the news on Daily Faceoff about 10 days ago of Vladimir Tarasenko. For a lot of Oilers fans, we were talking about him right before you joined our podcast. That's a guy where everybody knows what he can do, but he hasn't exactly been healthy over the last two seasons. What is your sense about what's going on with Tarasenko and the Blues? Well, that is a relationship that's fractured beyond repair. Like, I'd be very, very surprised if Vladimir Tarasenko is coming back to St. Louis. Uh, and, and you mentioned his health. That's actually a big reason he, he's likely moving on is that there were two surgeries there on his shoulder that weren't successful, that he kept having the same injury recurring and, and going over and over again. And so I think that was problematic. I think at some point along the line when the surgery was botched, so to speak, there were some questions from the Blues to Tarasenko about his commitment to rehab. And I think that rubbed the player the wrong way. I think there was some lingering discord over Ryan O'Reilly being selected as the team captain once uh, Alex Petrangelo moved on. And so those are all things that have contributed to this uh, fraying relationship. And for a guy that also hasn't been healthy and hasn't been able to produce up to the level that he and everyone else is accustomed to, um, you know, that just has everything trending towards that fresh start that he's, you know, likely going to get. Now, I, you know, I think he's exactly what the Oilers need in terms of an archetype player as a finisher, right? You know, you need someone that you can put on the wing in that spot that can play with McDavid and finish all those ridiculous, you know, sequences that this team has. Um, but I, I don't know at this point, and I, I'd have to dig in and get the answer to this. Parasenko has provided, as I wrote, as you guys mentioned on dailyfaceoff.com, he's provided the blues with a list of teams. Are the Oilers on it? Would he want to go there? I think from a cap perspective and from a term perspective, it's not, you know, everyone, you know, is looking at that seven and a half million dollars and they're saying, man, that's a lot of money. I think for the value that he provides when he's healthy, 35 to 40 goals in that window, he's consistently proven that he can do that. And only for two years, I would be taking the risk. So what do you think the Blues are looking for here? Like, are they trying to stay competitive and make a deal like, you know, like a Tarasenko for Goudreau or Tarasenko for insert another high-end player who's going to need a fresh start here? Or are they potentially going to do this deal for pick and prospect? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be pick and prospect. I think this is more along the lines of trying to make it a hockey trade that works for the Blues where they can get pieces back that, that they can use. I mean, look, this team, they're another team to watch this offseason as, you know, one of those big question mark teams, one of those teams that's involved in just about everything because it's not just Tarasenko. I mean, look at some of the UFAs that they have, Mike Hoffman, Tyler Bozak, Jaden Schwartz, uh, they've got to re-sign all their young guys, Ivan Barbashev, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. And then on the back end, they've got Vince Dunn, who's been in trade talks seemingly forever, a restricted free agent yet again, that you know could be on the move. So this is a team that's in flux. And you know, potentially with Tarasenko and those other unrestricted free agents on the move, it's a lot of goals to replace in your lineup. And so I'd imagine at some point they're gonna try and uh, get some scoring touch as well. And uh, we'll see whether Doug Armstrong can pull all that off because, you know, that's a team that's in transition. 
Speaking of uh, transition, let's get into the expansion draft here. That's coming up a little bit later in the month. What, like, we talked about this on Real Life a couple of weeks ago, Frank, where, or I guess this was on here, where I asked, have the GMs learned anything? As we draw closer to the Seattle expansion here in a couple of weeks, what are you hearing? Is it, is it more chatter with people talking with Seattle? Or are they talking amongst themselves and trying to keep the Kraken out of it? What do you think this one's going to look like? I think it's all the above. I think Seattle's been in deep conversation with teams about what they may and may not be willing to accept. I think teams have been in discussion with each other saying essentially, you know, we, we may have like Caleb Jones, I think is a perfect example. We may have a vulnerability here where we likely would be losing this player. Does it make more sense to trade him to you and get something back? And in the case of Chicago, who's trying to court his brother and Seth Jones, does it make sense on multiple levels and multiple fronts? So um, those are all things that I think are occurring behind the scenes. I know are occurring behind the scenes and, you know, Seattle for their part, they're very secretive. They hold their cards close to the vest. Uh, Ron Francis doesn't say a whole lot. I can tell you that from talking to other teams, Seattle feels really confident about the options that they're going to have on defense and in goal, but they're looking for forwards. They're looking for goals. They're looking for scoring. And so um, those are all areas to keep an eye on. John, or sorry, Frank, uh, to jump subjects a little bit, you you had, were at the press conference with Bill Daly and, and Commissioner Bettman, and you asked a great question about the salary cap uh circumvention or however you want to phrase it with the Tampa Bay lightning. Is there an indication to you from team, the team's perspective, other teams, the 31 other teams that they have an issue with what Tampa did this year? I, yeah, I think there's no question that there are a number of managers that are unhappy around the NHL about how this played out, that they feel like even if it wasn't a violation in the letter of the law, which Gary Bettman and Bill Daly reminded me of in that press <laughs> yes. conference and answering yes. <laughs> the question. I think that a lot of people feel that there was a violation in the spirit of it. And I, I think, you know, there were unique circumstances, this being a shortened 56 game season, but I just think the way that it played out with the season ending September 28th and, and Nikita Kucherov waiting until December 29th to have surgery by December 29th, we knew when the season was starting. So it wasn't like, you know, they, they just guessed on a date here. Uh, they knew when the season was starting. They knew how long it was going to be. They also knew by that point when it was ending and when they could effectively work the system to their advantage. Now, some people may criticize the Tampa Bay Lightning in this case and say, that's incredulous, can't believe you would do it. In an odd way, like I'm kind of – you know, I'm giving Julian Brisebois and the Lightning a golf clap at the moment. Like, well done. I mean, like you found a, a loophole. You found an area here that you could exploit in a team with a team that you knew had significant salary cap issues and trouble. Like we were all exactly the way we're feeling right now, saying who among the guys from the Lightning are they going to unload off of this cup team? We were having the same exact discussion 10, 11 months ago when they were coming off of their cup last time. And yet they barely made any moves. Um, you know, it was basically Braden Coburn and Cedric Paquette. Like those were the two guys that were peeled off of that roster. And the fact that they didn't knew, do more and knew that they had 
the Kucherov injury and the ability to exploit his LTIR that way, I think is where the violation of the spirit of the CBA comes in. Now, moving forward, there's all sorts of different options and they'd all have to be negotiated apparently in the CBA as to what would take place. But, you know, there could be some sort of rule that's instituted where, you know, in order to play in the playoffs, you had to have played at least one game or been on the roster on your cap for one day. Um, you know, that'd be one way to get around it. You could also institute some sort of cap for the playoffs, which no one really wants to do being that players aren't actually paid during the playoffs. There's a lot of different ways to do this moving forward that I think ensure that this doesn't happen again, which I think is what everyone wants to see is that every team is, is playing on level ground that it, you know, who, who was it in the second round uh, from the Dougie Hamilton? Tar- yeah. Dougie Hamilton. We lost to a team, $18 million, you know, better than us. And I, I think that says a lot because you, you think 18 million, like that's Connor McDavid and Nuge, yeah. you know, that you can put on your roster. It's a pretty, pretty sizable advantage. I'm almost, I'm almost upset. I don't get to ask you about Nuge here, Frank got his deal done. Well, you said the, the slogan forever has been keep Nuge forever. Like I just didn't know that you actually meant forever. Oh yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Nugent Hopkins signed for the eight years, 5 million bucks and change, which was almost about a million shy of what he was making before looking ahead at free agency. Would you suspect that there are guys that are going to look for some more term like Nuge did, even if it means a lower cap hit or what are you expecting from another off season in the flat cap world? I think there's going to be some of that. I think there's going to be the usual guys that get paid in their typical way, even with the flat cap, the high earners, the guys at the top of our um, daily face-off free agent rankings, which is going to be coming out on Monday. I'll give you a little teaser there. Um, You know, that those guys are always going to be taken care of. I think the the group that always seems to be hurt and I, and I would include Nuge actually a bit in the, the guys who are going to be taken care of category because he did end up getting taken care of in terms of total dollars. And I think that was the key for him was he didn't really leave any money on the table. It may look that way in terms of cap hit, but in terms of what he was going to get out there, this really isn't far off from, what the market was going to be. And he's able to do that and stay in Edmonton, a place where obviously he wanted to be in the team and the market and you guys wanted to have him back. Um, But I think the group that always is going to be hurt is the middle. It's the middle class. It's the, you know, it's the guys that were making two and a half to three and a half million dollars, a really nice living that are going to be down in the one to one and a half range with the flat cap. Those are the guys that always seem to be hurt um, when there's a pinch and I think that's the type of, you know, scenario we're going to see play out again this year. Frank, uh, we're going to wrap this up. I got some rapid fire for you, similar to what happens on the DFO rundown. But you remember the one rule of rapid fire, correct? Yes. Must answer the question, honestly. All right. Uh, let's start with one here. Buyout windows open. How many buyouts we see in the NHL this offseason? Nine. Nine. Who will be the first big name traded this offseason? Does Connor Garland count as a big name? Sure. Yeah, he counts. All right, that's my guy. If you were Oilers GM Ken Holland, who would your number one target be on the free agent market? Tony D'Angelo. 
Who will be the most active Canadian team? The Calgary Flames. Who will be the most active team south of the border? Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I'm going to say the Oilers. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Who will be the most active team south of the border? Um, hmm. Well, I would say... Not Tampa Bay, would you? you have well, to. they're going to be active in trying to unload, but that's not really the way I... That doesn't count. I'm not looking at it that way. I'm going to say... Buffalo. When free agency starts winding down and Frank Saravalli gets some much-needed time off, what's the first thing that's going to be poured into his cup? Ooh. So... I had like a massive amount of tequila on Tuesday night and I that was the first, I was going to say I'd have a margarita, but I just like, I can't even stomach the thought of a margarita at this point. Uh, I'm going to say, and you guys don't have them in Canada. I don't think I'm going to say a high noon. Uh, they're like our, they're canned beverage. It's vodka and juice, uh, like real juice. So I'm going to say a black cherry high noon. Nice. No. An unpaid endorsement. Great flavor Frank choice. Cervalli. Thanks for doing this, Frank. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. There you go. Frank Saravalli. Man, it's always so good to talk to him. Oh, yeah. But he makes me nervous and excited when he says he thinks that the Oilers are going to be the most active Canadian team. Woo. I'm nervous have, and excited. You have to be excited. I get the nervous part, but yeah, like on it, that to me was the easiest answer just because we've been sold that this is our summer. For two or three years since Holland Geyer, this is our summer. This is the summer. Well, here it is. You got to, you got the, here's your opportunity. Go out and do it. Like this, let's, this has to be our time. Let's be honest. Other than, or since the Lucic summer, we haven't really had a, a summer of our own since then. Like there hasn't been a big push for free agent. I mean, was Lucic that big of a free agent? I don't know. But remember yes. when they had, they had Lucic and Demers yeah, a, come in in the yeah, limo a, at the same time? Yeah, on the that cloudiest day one. in our summer. Yeah, I um, it's gonna be interesting because last, if you had, I mean, our off seasons are all fucking borked now because of COVID. But like two years ago, I guess we would have been doing this show and being like, "Oh, are we gonna do scratch tickets again? Like, are we just gonna sign fifty players for the bottom six and hope somebody works?" And this summer's not gonna be like that. If we're talking, well, about, you need you need Connor's having, left winger. You need a goaltender. You need a top two left-handed defenseman. These are big names coming in, man. And if we're having Frank Saravalli on Oilers Nation Radio talking about, you know what, Tarasenko would be the perfect gamble for the Oilers. Like, who knows what that his list looks like, right? as Frank mentioned. But, like, oh, shit, we're talking about some big daddy names. We're not talking about Gaetan Haas. R.I.P. Gaetan Haas. I miss you, buddy, already. But we're not talking about Gaetan Haas and Riley Sheehan. We're talking about big dick swinging. But that's yes. just it. We need to, we, we're not used to this position. We go get a Tarasenko, understand the fact it's going to fucking cost us something. Yeah. It's going to be a kick to the gut then losing some, whoever goes in that trade or whatever trade, um, we're going to be losing something. And you know what? You know, just we're like, not used to that. The overreactions are going to be great. Like we oh, started Jesus. the off season with Devin Shore melting us down. Devin Shore. 
melted people down. And then if you looked at the Nugent Hopkins thing, most people were happy. I'd say 90%, 85%. Before this, before even the signing though, everyone's like, oh, no, Holland's going to let him walk. This is ridiculous. No, Holland's going to pay him $8 million. No, he's only worth 3.75. Like it was just so ridiculous. Well, and then we okay. move on to the Duncan Keith thing and good Lord. That's just it. That's the thing is it's like everybody's been either either <laughs> happy about the acquisition of Duncan Keith or mad about the theoretical price that it's going to cost. And neither of those things have been in, uh, come to fruition because it hasn't happened. But in fact, the fact that he hasn't done the deal it should appease the people that are were upset about this theoretical price. And they're all still mad. I don't well, understand getting- it. They're all, but they're always going to be mad. And I just read something on Twitter that said Friedman said was this on the radio and said that Chicago is asking for McLeod or Bear in the Keith <laughs> deal. Exactly. What and Holland didn't do it. And it yet hasn't no happened. One's sit there, yet no one's going to sit there and give Holland a pat on the back, though he doesn't deserve one for that because that would have been a ridiculous trade. But no one's going to sit there and give him the credit of the fact that he didn't make that trade. No one's going to sit there and give him the credit of the fact he did not overspend on any UFAs in the last two years. Right? We've last... been in a conversation with a couple guys and we've gotten out because it went too much term or too much dollars and he got out. He has not overspent on anybody he's not made you know there's the there's there's the cassian thing and the double a trade right both pre-covid sorry but he gets a bit of a wash there um he really hasn't done anything to in as an oiler to deserve the the hate and whatnot he gets on online though i'll tell you one thing right now as people listen to this podcast and maybe some frank quotes start hitting the old tweet machine the fact that Dun- the Blackhawks don't want to retain any salary whatsoever and yeah. Duncan Keith would cost 5.5 and change on the cap, that's sure to spice things up for the weekend. <laughs> I love that. Holland all of a sudden sits on his hands. He, they, if they buy him out, fantastic. He's getting bought out at just under $3 million. Guess what? You come over here for two. Now you're making $5 million. You're playing with Connor. Well, and part of, and part of that to me too is it's it's signaling to Duncan Keith that we want him, right? And it's showing Duncan Keith that we're interested in him. The Chicago Blackhawks are smoking some good stuff if they think that they're getting one of those two players in return for no salary retention, Duncan Keith. Like that's that's impressive by them. But I think that I think to your point, Rick, like you said, if they do turn around and buy him out, Edmonton has to be the guy that that Duncan Keith shows up to the front door of first, right? Like that's, to me, that's just the end of the story. Well, there's four teams out there that he wants to go to apparently. But none of the the other teams are are making a push for him. Two of them are shit shows. One of them has Connor and Leon. And one of them has the other one. The one, gonna, yeah, with other ones, whatever. They I was going to say, we cheer year. for one of those shit shows. I have, to give, I have to give Frank <laughs> props for not answering the Seattle Kraken as the most active team in the in the NHL south of the border. Yeah, so oh, you know who I there. thought he was going to say? I thought he was going to say L.A. That's who I was expecting him to say was Los Angeles. They've already made well, Buffalo, I was just going to say, they're already Buffalo's there. Probably, whether Buffalo is volume-wise... I think they're going to have the biggest names. Obviously, if Eichel moves, that's a, that's a massive name, right? Reinhardt wants out. Yeah. If it, oh, my God. <laughs> but those, but tough, those, but, but they might they maybe be taking those trades on it with a dollar short and a, and a yeah. day late kind of thing. No, they'll be getting draft picks and shit out of that. And their number one pick, wasn't he talking about going, back, like, not even coming to the NHL this year? Yeah. I wonder who gets a, and, wonder who gets um, a, a bigger package. Is it going to be Eichel? Or is it going to be Tarasenko? Oh, Eichel. Oh, it's got to be Eichel for it's sure. It's got to be Eichel. It's easy. You would, close. You would think it is. They but both Tarasenko have is... concerns. If, if Tarasenko yeah, was fully healthy and they were moving him, I'd, I'd maybe understand it a bit more. But nah, man, Eichel's like a franchise number one center, top 10 player in the league. 
So again, uh, we're working through the dates for July. This is going to be a busy, busy week or a month, I should say. So the expansion draft is the 21st. Round one of the NHL entry draft is July 23rd. Rounds two through seven are on the 24th. If you don't know where the Oilers are at, because I didn't, I had no idea. The Oilers are picking 19th right now as it stands. They have a pick in the first round, the fourth round, two in the sixth round, and the seventh round. So it's going to be interesting to see if Ken Holland is even interested in trying to fill in uh, rounds two and three. He just sits. I don't know. We'll see. And then free agency opens up on July 28th. It's going to make for a little bit of a shorter offseason this year. I'm excited about that. And the 17th, you said, is the list, right? The 17th is the expansion protection list. Yes. So, oh, here's my list I put together in my article, boys. What do you think of this? Okay. So, uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic a little while ago said he heard the Oilers are going with the 731. So, I operated under that assumption. Over at Puckpedia, they got an expansion tool to play with. So, I was playing. Here's my forwards. Please disagree if you will. Connor Leon Nuge, easy. Pooley RV Yamo, easy. Where it got tricky was the last two forwards. Where do you go? I went Benson and Archibald as my last two forwards. I love Jujar. You guys know I'm a big Jujar guy. I'm worried about, I'm worried about the concussions he had last year. That's the only reason why. Any qualms with my forward list? No. It puts you in a position where the only two forwards they would probably even think about are, uh, are, are Neil and Cassian. Perfect. Yeah. On defense, I've got Nurse, Bear, and Jones being protected because I would love that Clefbaum has taken one of those slots, but we just don't know. Yep. As long as they don't sign Larson, I would imagine that's what we're we're going to end up seeing. Like we're at the point. Like you said, not... Nurse Bear and Jones. Yep. They'll keep Jones. They, because keep Jones really certain. Because Frank just said that Jones will most likely be available. That's if they sign Larson, though, right? Like if they yeah. if it gets to like the sixteenth and they finally go, ah, okay, we got our deal with Larson. Like why Seattle can talk to him all they want. Like they're not you keep hearing this whole like, Oh, well, Seattle will offer them way more money. And it's like, okay, yeah, they might offer them like 500 K more, but Seattle's not just going to run around to every team's free agent during their negotiating window and offer them like double what they might get. Like Seattle's not <laughs> stupid, right? Well, if in that scenario where we, would we not see Seattle take cleft bomb? Why wouldn't they take a gamble on a guy that, that may be your number one defenseman if he can get healthy. And then if at worst he's $0 on your cap, I, I could see it, but I just think they would want warm bodies right away. Like, I just, that's it's such a, a hard it's move a, to yeah. sell. Because I, I was with, as I was putting this list together, Dan, like my expansion list, I was thinking about Clef, and it's just like, that's the ultimate high risk, high reward pick if you were Seattle. Because there's a chance, according to Jason Greger on No Weather's Nation, there's a good chance he's not here for training camp and never plays again. Then that's and that's a reality. But to me, it's like if you're if you're the Seattle Kraken, you can't pick from Vegas, so you're picking thirty players or yeah, thirty players. Math. Um, you you think that you could stand to to lose on a couple of gambles like that that may, like you said, pay off huge for you. But if if you go through the exercise of like every team's roster and who they could be potentially getting from these other teams. They're going to, similar to Vegas, they're going to get a chance to pick so many good young defensemen. Like you go to Anaheim, they could potentially get Caden Fleury or Brendan Gooley out of there. Uh, You go to 
who was the other team I had up there? Colorado. They're, they're going to potentially get a good young defenseman out of Colorado if Eric Johnson doesn't waive his no-movement clause. Uh, Minnesota. There's a chance they could wind up with Matt Dumba somehow if Minnesota doesn't figure stuff out on their expansion situation. Out in Long Island, they could maybe get Nick Letty or Thomas Hickey. Like, there's so many places they could get good defensemen from that I think if, if it's between like Clefbaum and Cassian for them to choose from, I think they might look at Cassian and go, 3.2 million. We got a ton of cap space. He'd probably be a fan favorite here. And we know he's kind of, you know, he can run around, be a physical presence in our bottom six. I think they'd sooner take Cassian over Clefbaum. He's an NHL player. But either way, they're going to probably want some insurance on their pick. So maybe they should reach out to our friends at Cornerstone Insurance. Why? Because they've got all the options you could ever need. Auto, residential, commercial, life insurance, they've got it all. If you go to cornerstoneins.ca, again, cornerstoneins.ca, and click about. You'll learn that they have, for 90 years and four generations, Cornerstone has been a family and employee-owned business here in Edmonton. They've also got a little discount for citizens of the nation on the left-hand side of the screen. Again, cornerstoneins.ca. It's going to be interesting to see, because like Frank said, there's teams talking amongst themselves. The Kraken aren't talking about what they're doing. I wonder how different this expansion is going to be than the one that set up Vegas for to be good every year. You know, it's all on the GMs. It's all on the GMs. That's that's the end of the story right there. It's on their GM. Well, no, but it's on the other GMs like Bag Milk asked Frank or have the GMs learned their lesson. Yeah, yeah, like but is Dale if, Talon, if, if, is, is if there Seattle's not Dale playing Talon the game, answer? if Seattle's not playing the game the same way that Vegas did, then the rest of the GMs are let off the hook. If they if, if Seattle comes in and plays it as hard and the same way that Vegas did, then yeah, of course. So it really comes down to how Seattle wants to play it. If they want to give it, they want to make it hard on everybody, make it hard. They want to make it easy on everybody. It comes down to what they want to do. I can't wait. Again, my my five bold predictions. Uh, even though I just gave you guys my personal expansion list, I said I think it's going to be Jones or Benson. Jones or Benson are my, my two bets. Uh, if you guys had two bets around the horn real quick, who you, who you got? Archibald or Clefbaum? Tyler? Two bets to what? Get taken? Just, yeah, like who's, who are the others going to lose? If you just had a, a, a flip of the coin, if you will. Jo- Jones or Cassian? I'm going to go with Jones because I just get that feeling that they don't really value him as much as everybody who's outside the OEG, as That's in like fair. fans and whatnot. Um, there's just too much talk and whatever. Uh, yeah, it's got to be him. You know what? I'm I could see them going after after a James Neal. I think he's just that type of. He's if you get the the story. If you get the stories about what he did with uh, with Vegas in terms of being a part of the nucleus of the team and whatnot, the type of guy he is in the dressing room, what he can do for, and I know we brought Lucic in for this, but you know that just that 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 good dressing room guy who's been around, has some swagger in his step, only has two years. Um, five point seven five is obviously a lot, but it's not going to be that much for them. They can get rid of it after uh, pretty quickly, so I can see it being Neil or Jones. I wonder if Holland would be willing to pay to get them to take James Neal. Because he's he, like, you, pay. You, can sell the, you can sell the story, right? James yeah. Neal, nine-time 20-goal scorer. You put that big million-dollar smile on the side of the building. He went to Vegas, and they went to the Cup Finals, and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a story there. But what do you pick? Do you, are, you willing to, are you willing to lose two players or a player and a pick to, for that guy to go or whatever, you know? Would, Is that would, not what we kind of learned from last time? 
What mm-hmm. if Se- if Seattle wanted Caleb Jones, but you're you don't have Larson signed, so you're going to protect Jones? And Seattle came to you and said, "You give us Jones, leave Jones unprotected, and we're going to take Neil from you as well." Wouldn't you have to say, "Hey, listen, um, we'll make a trade for Neil." Yeah, that's what like it would be like. Round like pick yeah, for Neil, and then. Yeah, or or they or they make the trade for Jones and take Neil. I, I don't know if there's any. I think they're allowed. I think they're allowed to take him. I think they're yeah. allowed to make a trade that's just for future considerations, and the future consideration yeah. would be taking Jones. I wonder if there's an opportunity for that. Personally, I think uh, again, I'm sticking with my five bold or not predictions. I'm saying James Neal's going to get bought out, but um, we'll see. We shall see. This is going to happen time. one. That's going to happen one day after we record next. We might have to next Saturday is the twenty first. Well, the Duncan Keith thing broke like what hours after we recorded? Wait, you, say, you say next Saturday is the twenty first, or is it two Saturdays? My bad. Uh, the twenty first is a Wednesday. Oh, I was looking at the. Uh, I was looking at the uh, August. Wrong. Yeah, so we're gonna have a fresh episode just a couple days out of. That's fantastic. Uh, the expansion draft. That's almost perfect. We'll have plenty to talk about. This is going to be a very very busy July. Mm-hmm. you don't normally get draft expand well first of all you don't normally get expansion but you don't normally get the draft and free agency in the same month because remember last year we did a podcast on free agency day and it was just a good time it was a good time although that kyle tourist bet didn't really work out the way we all thought it would <laughs> but you know you swing and you miss sometimes but that's exactly it. he took a swing he took a the type of player everybody kind of wanted um and it just didn't work out yeah, I, I imagine Turris will be buried in the minors this year, right? Oh, you he's definitely going to be – he'll have a condo in Baco for sure. Well, that'd be good for uh, good for the boys down in Bakersfield. He's kind of – he's been everywhere at this point. This Why, place, so, so someone can pick up the tab? Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to pick up the tab, buy the boys some dinner. He's, Come on. <laughs> he's got that He's got that big league money, man. He's still it's got like national Archer... money coming in yeah. for years, so he's going to pick up the tab. I remember, I remember a story of Arthur Zerbe getting sent down to whatever AHL team it was he was playing for at the time, and he put the boys on a plane. He's like, I ain't traveling on a bus, you guys. Let's go. Get on the plane. I'll buy your tickets. Let's get the fuck out of here. That is the way. Kyle Terrace, you're going to be a beloved figure down in Bakersfield. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> you pick up the tab on a couple of team dinners, take the boys on a little vacay, maybe. Sounds fun. It sounds real fun. Tyler, time to get your buttons ready. We are looking at the Deuce Vodka Hot and Cold Performers of the Week. Deuce Vodka, of course, is the vodka by friend of the nation, friend of everybody, Brett Kissel. He demanded Pat Maroon come back to Edmonton on Twitter the other day. I could see it. He's Love got a no movement clause. Would he wave? He just wants some. He just wants someone to hang out. Uh, tarps off with the two of you guys. That's all. Oh, exactly. Me and again, never forget that Brett Kissel and I recorded an episode of Brett of uh, Real Life with Tarps Off. Never forget it happened. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're talking about Deuce Vodka. Head on over to DeuceVodka.com. There is a store locator that is there. It's ready for the weekend. You want to make a cocktail? Maybe a Caesar Sunday. Maybe a nice little vodka soda. Splash Cran in there, maybe some G2. I don't know, whatever you're into. Deucevaca.com, they are where it's at. And also, you will find Deuce Vodka at the bottom of all of our What Would You Do Wednesday articles as well on OilersNation.com. As we do every week, gentlemen, we start with our veggies. 
We look at the downside of the last seven days. And my friend Nation Dan is first up on my screen. Dan, your Deuce Vodka, Cold Performer of the Week. Well, my Deuce Vodka, Cold Performer of the Week, he's used to doing this. I think he doesn't really ever show up in our Hot Performers of the Week. It's one NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, who went on national television and told us all that the officiating is fine and there's nothing to see here. (laughs) And I'm just getting annoyed with it. I'm just getting tired of it. At least acknowledge that you're going to try and help the referees out some more or something, but just pretending that there's not a fire going on behind you is not a way to put out the fire. So for me, Deuce Vodka, Cold Performer of the Week, Gary Bettman. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. Gary Bettman is a very much a Toby, isn't he? Yeah. He is Toby, Toby from The vibe. Office and our big Toby Goodbye, Toby. Good. <laughs> That's all I got. I don't remember the rest uh, of it. I'm going to go next. Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week is, I just saw a story on Reuters this morning, that people all over the U.S. are bringing their dogs back to the shelters oh. after a year because they were spending time at home. They were, they were like, oh, I'm at home all the time, so I'm going to go get a dog. And now they're treating them the, like they're renting DVDs or something. So if you are one of the people that got a dog during the pandemic and you are now bringing it back to a shelter just because you want to bow out of your commitment, it's bullshit. That's not the way you treat these amazing animals. Dogs deserve so much better. I could never in a million years imagine dropping Frank off at a... Both Sarah Valley and my dog, Frank. I would never imagine dropping them <laughs> off at a shelter. So for all of you that are bringing your dogs back after a year that you're not at home, fuck you. You are my cold performer of the week. Are you thrilled? I'm not. Hashtag keep both Franks forever. Exactly. <laughs> Rick, you're next up. Deuce Vodka, cold performer of the week. Uh, well, you know what? We're going to just go out and uh, I think it was, I don't know, yesterday, the day before that... Uh, that Gallagher got on his little, I don't know where he taped it on with Instagram or whatever, but while he was out, unfortunately, losing the Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay, somebody decided to go and I'm assuming it's his house in Montreal. I'm just going to assume it's Montreal. But whoever went in, robbed uh, Gallagher's house, broke in, did whatever the hell they did in that while uh, the dude's out trying to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, come on, guys. We just got to be better in this world. Uh, if it's not yours, don't touch it. Come, this is ridiculous. We're grown-ass adults here. Come on. Boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. And also, uh, Mikhail Sergachev tweeted something about getting threats or something. Like there were players and their families getting threats. Like happens every year with this bullshit. It's like if that's your first idea is to threaten a player and his family because your team is losing or has lost, get the fuck off social media and go talk to somebody because there's serious shit going on with you. Tyler, you're next up. Deuce Vodka, Cold Performer of the Week. My Cold Performer of the Week going to go to the world of tennis where Denis Shapovalov bowed out in the semifinals at Wimbledon, a heartbreaking loss, which is why it's my Cold Performer of the Week. But his performance at the tournament was great, and he is going to win a big tennis tournament soon. Just you watch. Denis Shapovalov, 22 years old, Cold performer of the week because he didn't quite make it to the finals, but still a hot performer in my heart. That's a joke. That's an absolute That's joke, button. is what it is. I think the button I wanted to hit. Man, harsh. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Have you guys ever played tennis? It's fucking oh, hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so fucking hard. So much fun, though. It is so hard. Like, I played with a buddy a couple years ago. We just decided, look, let's, let's hit one of the courts that are in the neighborhoods everywhere. And, uh, 
I just, I just, it's so hard. I kept hitting the ball over the fence all the time. Like, it's like, it's the worst sport. Anyway. Oh, you got to like, yeah, you rotate it in your hand, whether you're going backhand, forehand, or it's, it's very difficult. And to do it at their level oh, would be absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that ball, those serves that are coming at you, 130 miles an hour or something stupid, like, that's insane. Honorable, okay, we're going to get to the, I'm going to just throw an honorable one in my hot performers of the week. <laughs> uh, we're going to get to the, the bright sides from the last seven days. I'm going to start reverse the order. Tyler. Yeah. Your Deuce hot performer of the week. The fact that it's rumor season. I, I wrote about this at Oilers Nation the other day. I do a rumors blog every single week. Part of the reason I think I got into this line of work is because I love talking about hypothetical trades and rumors and seeing transaction, figuring out who might go where, all that shit. So these next three weeks, this is my Stanley Cup final. This is when I enjoy covering the sport of hockey the most. So the fact that it's rumor season, that's my hot performer of the week. I like this right here. Good for you. You are, you are dedicated to the craft like I've never seen before, and I admire it. Uh, Rick, next up, Deuz Vodka, hot performer of the week. Patty three, Pete, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just, you know what? He was a fan favorite here. He's a yep. fantastic human being. Um, away from the ice, he just he's a he's a regular guy like the rest of us. And watching him, he turned down a very very uh, lucrative contract with the Oilers uh, a couple of years ago. And I'm not so sure he's made. And that in those years he's been gone, you take them all, put them all together. I don't know if he made what he was offered in one year. No. However, the dude's got some jewelry on, and he's got his three rings. And you watch him going around there at the end of the game. He had his phone out. He's banging on the glass, talking to all the fans. Um, yeah, just a fantastic person. And uh, it's nice to see something like that happen to him. But hopefully we're not going four feet because that cup's got to come north of the border. Over, Come back home next year. Unless he waves and gets that fourth ring here, I'll take that. Nation Dan. Oh, yeah. That guy is smoking hot. Yes, he is. Yes. Both Pat Maroon and Nation Dan. You're next up. Deuce Vodka, hop form of the week. Well, my Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week has a little bit of a, a cold performer in it as well, but it goes to Shakari Richardson, who just got uh, kicked off of the U.S. Olympic team for smoking a little reefer. And so my cold performer of the week is the people above that still think that pot is a performance-enhancing drug, but my Hot Performer of the Week goes to Shakari Richardson for the way that she handled it, uh, handled it like a champ, will be back and better than ever, and so, uh, Shakari Richardson, you get my hot performer of the week. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is. That one is actually the right sound bit. That makes sense, right? Yeah, that makes yep. a lot of sense. I mean, unless you're stacking up a wheelbarrow full of Skittles at the finish line, I don't know what's going on here. Ross Repliotti uh, said the same kind of stuff. And it, it? and it took him years. It took years for them to figure it out. And they finally figured it out, gave him his gold medal like he deserved. And I fully expected the same thing will happen for Shakari, but it's BS right now. Meanwhile, the skateboard team's just like, what? Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> they emerge from a smoke-filled den. <laughs> All right. And just to finish things off, my Deuce Vaga hot performer of the week is, I'm not a big soccer guy, but my favorite thing during these big tournaments, and the Euros are going on right now, finals coming up on Sunday? Sunday. Yep. My favorite thing in the world are people not paying attention to the play and taking a ball in the face. I was cruising Instagram the other day and I was just scrolling and it's just like, it was a compilation of all these people that were just not paying attention. And when those guys boot that fucking ball and it goes, you know, sails over the net, somebody's taking it. 
And a lot of people have. So to all of you that were not paying attention and took a soccer ball to the melon for my amusement, you're my hot performer of the week. Boy, that escalated quickly. Thank you. A little bit. Not really. It's true, though. Pay attention. <laughs> a little bit. Not really, though. Uh, looking at the reviews, Oilers Nation Radio on, uh, this was a little bit old, about a week and a half old. Uh, this is a five-star review, and it's from Keith Gretzky. And it just says, Devin Dubnik? Was that a joke? <laughs> it wasn't, Damn. Keith. But that's why you're not the GM anymore, you jerk. Uh, I just, I just like that was the latest review. So please, if you like the podcast or if you hate the podcast, I don't care. Leave us a review. But I imagine you wouldn't be listening to this point. But if you like it, leave us a review. <laughs> Tell your friends. I'll read it. I want to know what your thoughts are. I want to know what you think of the podcast because Tyler sent us a report. Uh, well, I guess me a report last week. Great month for the Oilers Nation Radio. The numbers were good, Tyler. We do a good show here. Oh, yeah. And well, imagine if the team would actually uh, go deep in the playoffs or give us something to talk about. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't like doing one episode for the play, entire playoffs two years in a row? <laughs> like talking about all the other teams involved in the playoffs? Yeah, I love talking about everybody else having fun. You know, <laughs> good times. Remember, we'll when we jammed, remember when we jammed in two episodes and we still didn't get them both off before the playoffs were over? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a – uh, yeah. It was basically a period of mourning, and that was supposed to be our first playoff episode. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Right. But next year's our year, boys. Next year's our year. This is the summer they've with, been telling us it's with coming. Tarasenko, Duncan Keith, Sam oh. Reinhardt, bring in Jack Eichel, too. I'd be into that. Thanks. I'd be into that. And then, and then we just have them all have minor surgery the day yep. before the season starts, and then they come back for the playoffs. That's the way to do it. I'm down. And you just got to hope that when you come back for the playoffs, that that guy is good enough to lead the fucking postseason in points. Unbelievable. So, do you think, do you so, think, and I know this sounds bad, but do you think like a Canadian player would do that? Like, do you think oh, that, that, okay. You know what I mean? Stay like, off I don't this know, podcast, like, Don. No, but it's no, easy. no. Can you, can you see like a, uh, like a Connor McDavid doing that? Well, maybe not or like is, Connor you know, McDavid, but I I could see another player would definitely Stamkos doing that. Have done it? If well, a Canadian player did it, it would have been like, look at the sacrifice he made for his team. Patrick Kane did the thing, same thing in Chicago. Yeah. So took yeah. like a whole month off. Well, I don't remember exactly what the he got were, hurt but... like right before the deadline, and then they put him on LTIR for yeah the rest of the regular and, season, and he was magically ready for game one. And the Tampa Bay Lightning complained about it at the time. Just, just want to throw that out there. They did. They were the ones that brought it to the league's attention and said, "This is bull." So and then here we are on the DFO rundown today. Uh, during our buy or sell segment, I asked about how many guys the Lightning were going to have to get rid of, and Frank goes, "I'm not going to comment on that until I figure out what they're going to do with Victor Hedman, who apparently has a pretty bad nagging hip problem." So giddy up. Well, I was just going to say, so <laughs> oh, we no. have to, so we have to stop. Oh, we have no. to start watching the IR lists <laughs> at the start of the season or in the preseason, right? Because as soon as well, the guy goes for under the that? knife, not really. So, Kucherov well, just had the hip thing too, didn't he? Well, but yeah, the, like so, so I didn't want to say it with Frank there, but like the rule of bringing them back for one game does that? What is? How does that do? What does that do to their cap hit? Or do they only take the cap hit for the one game? So it's not really that big of a punishment anyway. No, because once you're off LTIR, I don't know if you can just put you back on LTIR. 
Well, you'd it, you would it'd be the last game of the regular season, right? So, could you imagine a scenario? Because the Golden Knights had to do this, where the Lightning were like, "All right, we got to bring Hedman back yeah. for the last game of the year." So they just nine like, guys on the bench, yeah, eight like, dudes, like twelve skaters, <laughs> like a beer. It's like team? me, it's yeah. like me in the softball last night when a fly ball got hit to me in the third inning. I was like, "Well, that's just past me. I'm sorry, I can't get to it. <laughs> sorry, guys, we're gonna lose this game eighteen to nothing." But Kucherov and Hedman are both on our team. So I guess what we're saying here is watch for Hedman to get some kind of hip surgery right before the season starts. Well, he's going to need some time to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I guess. All right. From Sherwood Ford, the giant from Deuce Vodka from Cornerstone insurance. And now from Bixler jewelers. Thank you for listening to Weathers nation radio. We are here every Friday. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, everybody, download the podcast, share it, leave us your feedback and hit us up on social media at ON Radio Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. For all the boys, this is episode 147 in the books. Have a great weekend, everybody. Shout out Bixler's Jewelers. Best wishes. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. 